LaMelo Ball shows up on a Zach Lowe 10 Things article. He discusses his defense, and so will we. Plus, we'll make some second-half predictions today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. If you check us out on YouTube, you can see me, Walker Mail, on WFNZ from 12 to 3 p.m. and 92.7 FM. And then you can check out Doug and his work on his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Second half of the season is underway. We are right smack dab at the midpoint. 41 games have passed. Smack we have 41 it. games to go. And and we'll give some second half predictions in just a moment, a couple of segments from now. But we don't even have a 41 game slate to judge LaMelo Ball because of all of the injuries. But mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball has been judged by one Zach Lowe. <laughs> won't on stop ESPN. Zach Lowe and it won't stop us. No, it won't. It will not do that whatsoever. <laughs> we have daily content to fill. And so we're going to the Zach Lowe well. And he discussed LaMelo's defense here. And it was number five on the Zach Lowe 10 Things I Like and I Dislike article. Usually when the Hornets show up there, it's usually something Zach Lowe dislikes. That's no. just how it's been throughout on, this entire, ex- yeah, <laughs> the entire existence of this. And so this is how he prefaces it, by the way, which I, I think is very nuanced. Very, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to put at the top just so we don't get crazy. He says, LaMelo is 21. <laughs> Ankle injuries compounded by a, quote, curb your enthusiasm plot line come to life have derailed LaMelo's season. The Hornets are tanking by accident. I wouldn't read much into worrisome signs. So I do like that he puts that qualifier at the beginning. But then he talks about. Well, the hold on, hold defense. on. Who is who is Larry David in this curb your enthusiasm? Who is the sort of like who would the camera zoom in on on the Hornets season and the music start playing? Well, I mean, Steve Clifford is the first that comes to mind, right? I mean, this is no, who are no, you going but with? no, because I don't know if you're familiar with curb. If you, I, I haven't watched all not of it. Very, I am yeah. not a, I'm not a curb, like super fan. I just know, I just know enough about the plot line where I can talk about it. Maybe a little bit surface level. Well, so I think one of the, the fundamental threads of that show is that Larry brings a lot of this on himself. And so when we zoom into Larry, uncomfortable, then I, you know, that that's why it's funny is because like he can't help himself and he brings all of this misery on himself. So I think <laughs> the leaders in the clubhouse to be Larry David at this point of the Hornets of the Hornets sort of universe is Mitch Kupchak. I think yeah. that's that would feel right. But also the Hornets fan base in general. You just pick a random fan in the Spectrum oh, Center no. <laughs> and zoom oh, no. in and play the music. Are, are you saying it's Sombrero Man, our beloved Sombrero Man? Is, <laughs> yeah, is, that was, is I think he David? is. Yeah, I think he is oh, no. probably the most notable fan, um, at, at least in Charlotte, outside of Purple Shirt yeah. Guy. I think that's a p- person people most associate, the but he doesn't even go to the fan. games anymore. Yeah, the most beloved fan. It's not Purple Shirt Guy. Way, way. I think that is actually the spectrum we need to invent. We need to get to the actual defensive conversation here, but we need to invent the, you know, okay, how much is this person beloved on a scale of Purple Shirt Guy to Sombrero Man? 
how much are you loved? That's the scale we need to base our love for any. Listen, if you hate Sombrero, up. man, then I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel bad for you because he, he's the perfect kind of super fan that doesn't sort of insert himself into the narrative constantly, like the the guy, the fireman guy for the Jets or Clipper Daryl, or these like folks that like get too big of a like sense of their their place within the hornets universe like i love sombrero mm-hmm. man shout out oh yeah I mean, right the behind the goal just you know always has the cut out and is always cheering the team on you That's gotta right. love sombrero man get out of here if you don't let's go back to Lamelo's defense okay. this is what zach Lowe has to write okay <laughs> he says this <laughs> that's the first segment we let off with sombrero man of course we did charlotte has allowed 113 points per 100 possessions when ball rests and a grotesque 119 when he plays that would rank last among teams and it's not entirely coincidence so just to make this a little bit simpler Lamella, when he plays their defensive um, allowed points per 100 possession is the worst in the league on offense ball is one of only two players attempting at least 20 shots per 36 minutes and fewer than three and a half free throws per basketball reference clay thompson is the only other guy in that same category alongside Lamelo. And it goes to show that he is taking as many shots as what you would consider the MVP candidates, the best players in the league. And that's something we actually talked about yesterday. This is what Zach Lowe finishes up with. Ball will be fine. He's young. He's big for his position. With vision you can't teach. He's a good shooter. His game is just out of balance right now. I think we were maybe not comforted, but we certainly agree with that last sentence there from Zach. Before we dive into a little bit more of the numbers here, Doug, what did you make of the write-up that Zach had on ESPN? Yeah, I mean, I think it it fits the eye test. I mean, I think we've seen um, a lot of guards be able to easily get by uh, LaMelo Ball this season, and we've seen teams actively attack LaMelo Ball for two reasons. One, because they think that you know they can get better guards switched on to him because it's it's clear that Clifford um, is is trying his best to hide Lamelo Ball on defense. He doesn't put Lamelo Ball uh, against the usage you know kind of tier one type players that are always going to have the ball in their hands and attack. He's trying to hide him, but they they go to the switch pretty aggressively to get better players on Ball to attack there. Uh, the the team's been in rotation a lot. It's not been just ball. Like I mean, they've got. It's why I've been arguing, you know, against a ball rosier backcourt for a long time. It, it it has less to do with the effectiveness of either of those players in a vacuum, and more to do with the fact that you are going to struggle to play defense when both of your guards struggle to keep guys in front. Um, so it's been difficult. But yeah, I mean, the numbers absolutely back this up. I was I just pulled up cleaning the glass to see what the on-off numbers uh, had to say for them and, and versus last season where he was uh, a negative 0.2 points per possession on defense. They were actually better on uh, slightly better on defense when he was on the floor last season. That was above average uh, for his position. But this season, they are six points per possession worse on defense. That ranks in the 10th percentile. Uh, so the, the on-off numbers, uh, sometimes they lie, but I don't think they lie in this case because I think the eye test is pretty clear. Well, and, and again, you're talking about, I think we have 15, 16 games played, maybe 17, something around there from LaMelo. So it's not like you have a whole half of the season to go off of with some of these other players, even though it, that's kind of slim pickings when you're talking about the injury riddled Charlotte Hornets. 
but it's still <clears throat> something where you can go out and point plays and look at the film. Yeah. And LaMelo is doing the LaMelo thing where he just kind of runs all over the place. And sometimes he has fantastic anticipation and he gets a steal. And that's something Steve Clifford talked about at the beginning of the season, even with him and this Hornets team, they're not going to be the most disciplined, getting a half court set, not allow you to get by him. And then if you do, we're going to protect at the rim. That's not how that defense operates. If they're successful, then most likely it's LaMelo in one of his rogue defensive possessions actually comes up with the basketball or it's Robin Lopez at the top of the key, not paying attention. And LaMelo goes and pops the basketball out and it turns into transition. Uh, that's what happens on successful possessions with LaMelo at the top. Well, you bring up the steals, you know, his steal percentage is way down. It was 2% uh, last season. That's down to 1.5%, which is below average again for the point guard position it was well above average his second season. And it was 2.4% his first season. So those chances were paying off and this season. They're paying off less. The foul trouble also hurts, right? We talked about the foul trouble in the last episode. Yeah. If you want to go in depth on that, check, check that last episode out. But uh, the foul issue hurts as well because we know that when you foul, you, you send them to the line, obviously, you, you tend to send them to the line, and that or you at least get them closer to the bonus where they're going to be in, at the line sooner. And those uh, free throws are high points per possession type of plays. You're going to get above one point per possession, which is great. So you're giving the other team chance for easy points at the line. Um, so that's hurts as well. I think it's been a kind of a multi-tiered problem. It's been blow buys. It's been, you know, getting back cut, sort of just general awareness. There was a play. I, I linked this play in my write-up on the uh, Indiana Pacers game on everyhornetsboxscore.com. So if you want to actually look at the play, go check that out. But there was one particular play where he just helps too far on, on the defensive end, helps off the corner, and uh, against Tyrese Halliburton, Halliburton drives, kicks it, sees LaMelo helping too far, and body positioning. He's got his back completely turned from his assignment in the corner. So there's just no – when Tyrese Halliburton, who is one of the best passers in the league, gets the ball to the corner, there's no way for LaMelo to recover. So a lot of the defensive issues, Walker, are something that we sometimes see on the offensive end that's a problem for LaMelo, which is that he wants to help too much. You know, I mean, it's it, mm -hmm. a lot of this, I think, and, and this is part, of, I think, why you're not super concerned about it, because you're not working from a position of doesn't care enough. You're working from a position of cares too much. And I think ultimately, as he grows older, gets more mature, understands the game, you know, understands not the the sort of stuff that he was born with in terms of anticipation and that IQ that we always talk about, but like the the stuff, the sort of deeper level stuff about how do I manage a game as the leader of a team. As he learns that, I think it's going to get better. Well, and, and you mentioned, you know, the team can't recover. That's exactly what Zach references again. When he fails on a gamble, which happens a lot, then there's no other way for Charlotte to recover and help and help the helper and all that. And then finally he writes, you know, ball makes errors you'd expect from young players, though in larger doses, going under screens against top shooters, falling asleep off ball. When an emergency requires on-the-fly rotations, ball is often the one who snaps the string. Hopefully that improves as LaMelo matures. In I this wonder league, what Steve Clifford thinks about this. That is interesting. I do too. I think he might've told us a little something about it coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
Not only did Zach Lowe have something to say about the defense, so did Steve Clifford, and he said something about the numbers. We're going to we're going to myth bust this. Did Steve Clifford actually tell the truth about Lamelo's defense, or was he saying something that is a lie? Was it a myth? Indeed, naughty, naughty. We'll get to that in just a moment. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. How Prize Picks works is that you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to twenty five times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch. That includes not only the NBA, the NFL, the MLB. It also includes men's and women's college basketball. It includes soccer, the WNBA, NASCAR, tennis, Euro basketball, disc golf, cricket. Yeah, we're getting into a lot of different sports. There's so many more I didn't even mention. Entries can make uh, can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks gives you 100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks gives you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. What did Steve Clifford say about LaMelo's defense? We'll tell you. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. All right, let's continue the conversation here, Doug, because Steve Clifford also talked about LaMelo on the defensive end of the court. And I know you have the exact quote. The spirit is that the numbers are actually better for LaMelo on defense than they were last year. Can you be the myth buster and tell us if that's true and tell us what he said exactly? Uh, yeah, so this quote is I. This is from uh, James Plowright's uh, Twitter account at what is he at? James Plowright. I want to make sure. Yeah, I uh, know at British, British buzz underscore still? yeah under British at British underscore buzz. Yes. Yeah, we got to get that uh, right. Shout out to a, a great Twitter handle. That's one in the Hornets community that you know basically at the top of the dome. So well, not I, nice. Handle. Apparently, I don't. <laughs> so. No, it takes you about four tries. But I, I knew I, I, I basically I got the gist of it. We understand right. that. The quote from Clifford is, "Quote: I think his defense, if you look at the numbers, are much better than they were a year ago." Unquote. Walker, do you think mm-hmm. that's do you think Clifford uh, is is on point here, or do you think the numbers are not going to tell that story? So, so without having gone into more of the numbers than what we just read and kind of looking at surface-level stuff again, right, I, I would have guessed maybe because some of those metrics value steals so much mm-hmm. that maybe the numbers would have been misleading to back Steve Clifford up. And it would not have changed my point of view based off what we see when you go to game film. But then we see that his steal percentage is actually down and it's below average among guards. And so that takes that out of the equation. So, Doug, I would actually be surprised if Steve Clifford was right in him saying the numbers are better than what last year was. And look, you know, maybe they have different numbers. Maybe maybe they have like crazy, you know, computer models that would somehow explain uh, what our eyes clearly somehow explain that our eyes aren't seeing things clearly. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the numbers that I'm looking at, which are 
you know, you could look at the sort of simple numbers, and people criticize those a lot as not being able to really fully reflect what someone does on defense. We talked about on-off in the first segment. Well, and nothing Def- does, to be fair, you know, right. It's like, difficult. So. It's difficult. It yeah. has to be a mix of the eye test and the numbers. But defensive rating is worse. Defensive box plus minus, which, again, was right around average or above average last season for LaMelo. His defensive box plus minus is underwater at negative uh, 0.9 this season, um, which is which is not very good. But if you go to like a site like Basketball Index, which pulls in a lot of synergy data, uh, it, it doesn't. The story really doesn't get much better. On ball perimeter defense, he was rated C plus at a 56 percentile, a slightly above average on ball perimeter defense rating. Uh, this season, it's been a D plus in the 36 percentile. Uh, he's been a slightly better player on on interior defense, but I think Walker a lot of that is him recovering from getting blown by and like making a few blocks or a few stops on plays. I don't necessarily think of him as getting many opportunities to deter things at the rim or block things at the rim. Uh, that's yeah, he's just not how, coming from across the paint and helping somebody and, and then swatting anything or protecting it. I mean, that's yeah, that's not happening. Right. And as we mentioned, the steal numbers are down. So if you look at passing lane defense, his rating for that in basketball index was A- minus at 87% last season. This season, it's down to 53rd percentile, slightly above average, but not at the level he was last season. That's rated C. The things that he's that he wasn't good at last season, he's still not good at them, and they're slightly worse, like three-point contests. He gets rated an F in the 13th percentile last season. That dropped to 10th percentile and and still an F rating. Yeah. Uh, so th- those are those are kind of the same things. But here's the interesting thing. And I sort of mentioned this in the first segment, that he's being hidden even more than he was last season. Borrego did try to hide him. Like if you look at the usage tiers of the players that he defended, so how often does the player that he defends actually have the ball in their hands and attack with it? Uh, you can see that last season, uh, he still wasn't guarding usage tier one a lot, but he was guarding usage tier two players a, a lot more than he was this season. And so, you you know, he barely guards the the usage tier one or two players at all this season. And it's really usage tier three and four where Clifford has tried to place him, you know, matchup wise. And so, you know, that tells me, look, hey, Clifford, if the numbers are better, why aren't you playing him on why aren't you trying to have him on players that have the ball in their hands a lot? And the answer is because the not. defense hasn't gotten any better and they can't do that. <laughs> well, because the numbers aren't better. And and that's honestly, you're not going to be able to pick from some all NBA level defender with your starting backcourt. Now, Dennis Smith Jr. is clearly the answer on the perimeter if he's out there. Cody Martin is clearly the answer compared to LaMelo if he's on the court right. in the backcourt as well. But when you're uh, when you're picking with Terry or LaMelo, then it's absolutely pick your poison. And by the way, Terry's guarded some of the better players on the perimeter this year. And we know how that's gone for Terry Rozier, who's also not a great defender anyway. I mean, even if he's not guarding the best opposing perimeter. Player. Right. And you get the luxury of doing that, Walker, because he is 6'8". So if there is a small forward, you know, on the smaller end of the small forwards mm-hmm. that isn't a high impact offensive player that another team is throwing out there for defense, then you can shift him down even further and, and allow a Jalen McDaniels or a Gordon Hayward to deal with a better shooting guard or a better, even a better point guard because of, of his size. You can do that. Well, so and- so yeah. my my question would be, Walker is yeah. you look at this quote. I think his defense, mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers, are much better than they were a year ago. 
again, unless they have some like crazy number that he can throw out, he didn't throw out any numbers. You notice that, but unless they have some like crazy number that we don't know about, um, then I think that's false. So the question is, is that good that Clifford is going out there and defending LaMelo in this instance when everybody, I think most fans, unless you're just totally in the tank for LaMelo, I think most fans can see like pretty clearly that's not true. Is that a good thing that he's going out there and, and saying that? Um, I, I think that it's, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a good or bad thing and I will absolutely sit the fence and here's why, because I'm not so sure LaMelo knows Steve Clifford said that. <laughs> I mean, I, does, does LaMelo okay. know that Steve Clifford, at least to the public, that, that comment about how the numbers say LaMelo is playing better this year than he was last year. Maybe he does, but I think there are so many different comments that Clifford will have to the public, to whatever media outlet, the entire media, that that one kind of gets lost. And if we're talking about the impact that might be had on LaMelo, because ultimately it comes down to, are you making LaMelo angry? And are you making him angry enough to leave? And it doesn't mean that you're coddling him. I just don't know if, I don't know how much impact this has on anything, whether it it kind of disrupts the way that the fan base views him. Um, you know, maybe some staunch LaMelo stands might point to that and say, yeah, see, you know, Steve's right without having done any of the research behind what Steve says. And so maybe that is the damage it does. But I don't know how much damage it does, in my opinion. Doug, what do you think? Well, are you uh, is the question, are you making him angry more important than are you making him better? Right now, so if LaMelo's defense improves in the back half of this uh, season or next season, then I think this may the, the right approach this could be the right approach in the public. You say nice things, but behind the scenes, you're showing right. him things and saying, All right, this is where you need to improve. Um, but I think there is sort of a longer term trust issue with the fan when you're when you're again the cognitive dissonance when you're going out in public and saying something. That is pretty clearly not the case. I think some, I think whatever fans are really left that are paying attention are rolling their eyes a little bit and going, Does this organization really understand what the fundamental problems are? Like beyond LaMelo, they keep coming out and telling us that this is a playoff team and they're not a playoff team. We could all see that. Mitch Kupchak keeps coming out and saying things like, Well, you know, we think we have the pieces already. We don't need to go out and go. It's like, Why do you keep telling us things? that we can clearly see are not true. And and I think there is a concern about doing that longer term. In terms of again in terms of LaMelo, I think if he doesn't show that improvement, then I think there is some real evidence that there has been a little bit of, of coddling because there ha- but but Clifford hasn't been calling out a ton of players in general and I think you can root that in the injuries. Like if this were happen, yeah. I'll tell you, this would be different, okay? If they were fully healthy all season, LaMelo was continuing to play defense like this. I don't think Steve Clifford would be as guarded when it comes to saying things about all Great of his pun. players. I don't even, you did not mean that, but the, you, that, that is an excellent one. If you want to take credit, Guard. <laughs> that's, that is that fantastic deserves out of you. It does. Yeah. Get swiggy with it on that one, baby. That was excellent stuff. And the, the last couple things too, it's, can you imagine if the record was different? What if they were actually playing for something? Then the intensity, yeah. the the intensity, intensity. What am I talking about? The intensity it goes way up, and then Steve Clifford is actually calling guys out to make them better because they're fighting for something, and they're not fighting for anything right it's now. True, they're not. He's been so and, resigned. He's been like it's not just this quote, but like he's been so resigned 
from the injuries, you know, like, Hey, you know, we're just, we're trying to get better. Really. It's, it's all about getting better. Yeah. It's not about like, you know, getting into playoff shape or anything like that. Well, and it's all so, about yeah. still believing. I mean, it's, that's the, it's the elementary type of stuff. It's yeah, what if you go out there and blast, if you go out there and put them on blast, you just completely sort of eviscerate any hope that these players have of coming together and getting better. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a great point. I think you can make the case on, on both sides uh, the injuries, I think, just sit there and and really destroy a lot of arguments that you try to make under normal circumstances, how a team, how a coach, how a player should operate. Well, and, and again, before we go to break with the Lamelo, the size thing, that's what Zach Lowe mentions. What, so many people talk about Lamelo's size. He's 6'8". He's in the backcourt, a big guard that's going to help, wingspan, yada, yada. Man, but if that's not coming to fruition for him, then the, the size doesn't matter right now. It really doesn't. I mean, all of the things of that the size should help you with, defensively and offensively, by the way. I mean, if you're talking about LaMelo attacking and using that height to try to get to the free throw line, finish at the rim, defensively, make sure that he can use his length to keep guys in front of him. And when he gets to the rim, not fouling when he gets blown by. I mean, Doug, I, I don't know what the height is helping him with. LaMelo, to me, if you don't change the athleticism, you could bring him down to 6'4", 6'3", and maybe besides seeing over the top of the defense, which matters, that matters. Other than that, I don't know how different of a player he would be. And size can make players a lot different. So it's not helping you finishing at the rim. It's not helping you defensively. It's not helping you get to the free throw line. What's what's the size helping you with right now? And that's that's kind of frustrating when you're talking about that being such a strength yeah. at the point guard spot being 6'7". Well, and I think so. To Lowe's point, I think it's like the potential is there. So if yeah. if, if he were playing like this and he were smaller, then you'd be like, "Well, this guy's hopeless." You, he'd be Malik Monk or he'd be you know James Booknight. We'd we'd feel the same way. So you the fact that he it. has those tools, and Andy has some like stuff that n- neither Booknight or Monk had in terms of just like under like understanding the the, the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not like super worried, but I also don't know if this gets fixed in season. I think this is this has to happen. Not this one. Not this one. I, I think it has mm-hmm. to happen in the off season. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. This uh, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll have some second half predictions exactly at the midpoint. Forty one games have passed, so we'll get to that in just a moment and tell you that this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, which has now officially ended after the championship last night. They have it all covered at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, too, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. This episode is also brought to you by TurboTax. TurboTax has experts who can help relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can not do taxes. It's fantastic. With the TurboTax 100% expert guarantee, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax. It feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? I know that feeling. It's phenomenal. Come to TurboTax. Don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax. Full service products well, only. Do your, well, do your taxes, but let somebody else do them. <laughs> well, I'm, hey, this is what TurboTax is telling you. And honestly... 
I don't want to do this read. TurboTax do is doing it for me, just like they can do your taxes for you. Go to freaking TurboTax, man. Full service products only. <laughs> Video meeting while expert does your taxes. Required. See guarantee details at, you guessed it, TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Final segment, Lockdown Hornets. All right, Doug, second half predictions, <laughs> midway point, baby. <laughs> I just, I just, just the TurboTax read is going to, yeah. Well, just going back to the taxes read, if, uh, you know, this will be a good, t- this whole segment's going to be a good test for who's actually paying attention to the entire show. But on the taxes read, you said, don't do your taxes. I just don't want to get sued. I just, I'm protecting you. This is my job is to protect the radio professional. I just want people to understand, do your taxes, but let TurboTax do them for you. Do you, do you, no, Doug, stop changing the read. I'm telling the people what is in the print. Come to TurboTax. Don't do your taxes. That's what it's saying. <laughs> I, get, I am not messing you're this get up. Sued. I'm telling you. Somebody's going to be like, hey, look, look, I defrauded the U.S. government, but Walker Mail on the Locked On Hornets podcast told me to. I just, I just want to keep the sponsor happy. Okay, maybe I'm a company man. It doesn't seem like you are You'll anymore. Go to jail. You will to go, go to jail to for TurboTax. I will. I'll tell you right now. Give me money. I'll go to jail for you as long as they pay for my bond. Perfect, baby. That's fine. I appreciate TurboTax and uh, do the message that they tell you to do. Don't do them. All right, let's talk about second half predictions. All right, Doug. Record? Are they sellers? Where do you want to start here? Because you know. It's not been a great season, certainly in the win-loss column. A lot of people have checked out and wanted to go into the uh, Wimby sweepstakes, the whole brick for Vic type thing. So the month we're we're actually a month away from the NBA trade deadline. We'll we'll start there. Do you think ultimately in season that Mitch Kupchak will do something he has not done with the Hornets before and make a pretty big in-season trade? I thought a lot about this because it it makes all the sense in the world, right? That the Hornets would be sellers. Uh, they they've got some players on some extended contracts that would be that haven't performed up to the level uh, that that you would have hoped that they would have performed to. So if there's any possibility of of ejecting that salary as they look to retool in the future, um, even if you didn't want to you know break it all down to the studs, like if you wanted to just get rid of one of those players to open up some opportunities for you in the offseason, because uh, they're already going to have a little bit of cap space, but they could, you know, rocket themselves to the top of teams with cap space um, if they moved, you know, one of Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier. So the the the, the season has been cursed. The, it doesn't appear like that they're going to really compete for a play-in spot. So it makes all the sense in the world that they would be sellers. But but I would I just can't bring myself to predict that because we've got we have no well two things we have no evidence that Mitch Kupchak is capable of being a seller at the trade deadline. He just doesn't do this kind of thing. And I don't know whether that's willingness or ability or inability, I guess would be the better word. And then the second thing is because those assets that they would try to sell, so many of them have underperformed. I don't, I think it would be very difficult for the team to move the player at all, even for pennies on the dollar. Are there are there assets that are even attractive to teams that are trying to add one or two pieces to make a run at this thing? That's an open question. So I really can't predict confidently yeah. that they'll be sellers at the deadline. So the last couple of years, we've discussed Mitch Kupchak just not making one and then season trade period. Then he finally, then he finally did with a Brad Wanamaker slash cash considerations trade. That was the one that broke that. Oh. And then we had Montrez Harrell last season for Vernon Carey, so we took a step up. 
So maybe if you want to do the whole singular bar thing, we keep going up and then we actually get to something of a larger magnitude here. But the reason being that I, I don't part of the reason, at least the last few years, is that the Hornets haven't had anything attractive enough to pull off the big trade. The pieces that were of big value, they held valuable themselves and they didn't want to trade despite maybe our want for them to trade. A Terry, they extended much to my dispute about Terry Rozier's contract. They decided to hand him a big one after the three year 18 million that brought him here in the first place. And they brought Gordon Hayward over on a 30 million contract per year. So they found him valuable. And you didn't trade any of your young guys because Mitch Kupchak, as the famous drop says on Lockdown Hornets, we don't have any talent on this team. Well, so, that's not that's not the that's not the it's it's not talent. We don't have, we don't have any all stars on this team. Get it right. right. So so you're trying to groom some of those younger players into doing so, and you were still trying to build. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you're not as much. And you still don't have any valuable pieces except for PJ Washington. You know, that's, that's basically it. So, you know, Plumley. Well, and Mason Plumley, maybe now that, that reminds me of a trade, by the way, that was proposed by Bobby Marks. Okay. I want to do some kind of deal. Uh, Sweet baby boy, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked about him a couple of times, but he came up with a trade on the, on the low post podcast. And I wanted to bring it up. My, My question is, I guess we should probably save this closer to the trade deadline, right? A deal or no deal segment? Or do we want to do this? Now? I don't want to call see everybody calls it deal or no deal. I everybody's no, like, don't. oh, here we gonna well, this because is highly, a, this is unique. This is nobody else is doing this. No, it was a big show, you know, <laughs> and so people are like deal or no deal. That makes it we gotta do if we're gonna do it, if we're gonna do that on this show, if we're gonna take other people's deals and say deal or no deal, if we're gonna let everyone else do the work. We should at least be a little bit more creative about the name. And I and I think I've landed on something. Oh, okay. All right. You, you've got something better than deal or no deal. All right, let's hear it. What is Instead it? of deal or no deal, we do, and this again is going to be a great test for people. Are they listening? If if you're if you're still watching, if you're still listening, put this in the YouTube comments. This is going to be, we'll do this all up into the trade deadline. This is going to be, <laughs> are you ready for this? Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Stangin'? Or clanging. Clanging? <laughs> yeah, like clanging off the rim. Come on. Stanging or clanging? Is the deal stanging or clanging? Or is it clanging? All right. So if, if it's stanging, that means that there's a deal, right? And if it's clanging, that means, nah, we're hanging up the phone. We're not doing it. You got deal. it, buddy. You did it. Yeah, okay. that's it. I'm smart. I helped. Do we want to do a trade? offer now or do we just want to save this for february 9th the closer no, you, you, listen, you want to do it you want to i need it i need it until i can right. I, I haven't really i almost did it last friday I almost ran the lottery odds when the hornets were uh last place mm-hmm. in the nba I almost ran the lottery odds on tankathon but I'm, I'm not quite there yet that's going to be my obsession here in a few weeks after they after they continue to lose a, a few more games and get back into that position. But until then, I need to get my fix. I need some stanging or clanging. So hit me. Hit me with a <laughs> stanging or clanging. Um, clanging off okay, the rim. Will, That's a thing. We'll give you we'll give you the appetizer here and then we'll we'll do a, a separate edition of this closer to the deadline. But the one that Bobby Marks posed on Zach Lowe's podcast was mm-hmm. Golden State Ooh. receives PJ Washington and Mason Plumley. 
arguably the guys that would retrieve the most value based off what they're worth themselves. So PJ Washington and Mason Plumlee going to Golden State. Go ahead. Can I pause you? Um, because yeah. I'm just going to try to predict what this is. Okay, so I'm t- we're talking about PJ, who is uh, you know a little bit of a roller coaster season, but you know is starting to hit this little like a little push shot, <laughs> so like mm-hmm. super effective, getting it, you know, a little pump fake, get get close to the lane, and then that's and then, push uh, shot. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> hard sh on the first syllable there, push <laughs> shot. Just want people to know. Okay, so that's that's there's some value there, but Mason Plumley that takes it up to a whole nother level because you're getting you're not only getting big Plumley, you're getting wow. point Plumley who giveth and taketh away, but he mostly giveth right now, double-double machine. So I'm going to say, you know, adding up those two things, the value coming back, Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry. yeah, Gotta 100%. Be no, Got to be Steph or, or, it's no, or it's clanging. Oh, we are. And you left me hanging during staying or clanging when you just went on that soliloquy. All right, Golden State receives P.J. Washington and Mason Plumley. Charlotte receives Moses Moody and okay. James Wiseman. Whoa! Those would be... So... So the number two overall pick would join Charlotte with the number three overall pick from the NBA draft a couple of years back and Moses Moody, who a lot of people liked and Golden State kind of selected because they wanted him to contribute right away. And ultimately it's been Kaminga more so who was viewed yep. as this project. So what do you think? Are you staying or is that a clanging deal? I think it's staying, and and the reason I think it's staying is because you're getting you're getting some young players back, and, and so a lot of these deals that I think we're going to talk about that I've seen floating around involve second round picks because you're talking about opportunities again to kind of take pennies on the dollar for some of these players, and it's it's not going to yeah. be first round picks. You know, the draft compensation is going to be second round. And while Mitch Kupchak has shown an ability to get into the second round and, and make some impact selections, because of the situation around James Booknight and Kai Jones right now, my uh, my leash in terms of this organization in the draft uh, was it, it started to be longer, and now I'm, I'm pulling it back because you know I don't trust them as much with with draft capital as I did maybe a few years ago. So I think this is staying and you get some young players that you can work on developing into the future. I don't know what the contracts are, but I'm sure they're pretty favorable because you know, they well, haven't got it's they're all first yeah. rounders, right? Right. So they're all so you haven't gotten into that. Yeah, that's gonna really help your books, I think. Um you know, even though you're giving up PJ who is on an expiring and Mason's who's on an expiring as well. Um I think that helps your books long term to have younger players on those type of deals. So yeah, I think it's staying. No, so yeah, the only the, the question I have though is James Wiseman and Mark Williams effect. Th- this mm-hmm. now maybe I'm asking the wrong person, and David Walker would be included in this as we were talking about the draft leading up to it this past one, where you guys were ready to just at 13 and 15 select Jalen Duran and Mark Williams. You know, right. go for two centers, and so I imagine that still holds true and you're not necessarily worried about Mark Williams being the young center on this team. You're still taking James Wiseman on and seeing which one pans out out of the two. And if they both do, then maybe you trade one. Well, no, I mean, you're giving out Mason Plumley, So now you've got a little bit more room. Uh, possibly it, it opens up an opportunity to maybe move Nick Richards. I mean, I think he had enough of a showcase early this season that if you did want to move something for like a, a some draft capital, some second round action, then maybe Nick Richards would be an option there. Or you say, hey, we haven't had depth at this position in a while. Yeah, this is not veteran depth by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but we're not looking to be good for the next year or two. So, yeah, why not? All right, last thing. Let's end on this. What's the record if they don't sell? Roster stays the same. What's the record second half of the season and overall 
which is obviously really important despite yeah. the losing, mm-hmm. all of the losing, because we know the more losing that comes the Hornets way, it's the higher the chance of them selecting either Wemby, Scoot, or any of the valuable prospects. Yeah, this is interesting. So if if they don't sell and they get Gordon back and Gordon stays healthy, which is a huge if, um, they'll get Kelly Oubre back in a month and some change. You know, I think ceiling, if because they're starting to play better. We have to recognize yeah. that. Even though they lost that close game against Indiana, that was like one of the few times they've blown a third-quarter lead. Uh, they've they've been uh, they just haven't had many third quarter leads, so they haven't had many to blow. But um, <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. so uh, <laughs> I was giving you I was giving you a little bit of room there to if you wanted to. No, anyway, I um, no because I'm not a child, Doug. I'm oh, a professional. I'm okay, that's fine. Um, so I think all, all that I think like ceiling would be 500 basketball. That would be like high, high ceiling would be 500 basketball, which is not good enough to get you a, a play in opportunity at this point, but would be sort of a Panthers level like, oops, we sort of blew any opportunity we had at the first pick. That would be the nightmare scenario. Honestly, if, if they didn't sell and they played 500 basketball the rest of the way, uh, yes, your core would be better, I guess, for it. But, you know, your long term prospects take a huge hit. But I think realistically, there are going to be more injuries. This team really can't sustain injuries. They've proven that. Uh, they're, they're just they're too far behind the eight ball at this point. I'm going to say they got 11 wins in the first half. I'm going to go 15 wins in the second half. Uh, I don't know what that would put their overall record, 26 and whatever equals 82. It's a little too much, as weird as that might sound. <laughs> you, think 15, you think 15 is too, too many? Well, they got 11 well, in the first half. I, I mean, I'm, I'm predicting no, they'll be no, four no, no, games no, better. No, I'm – I, I'm I'm not saying that they're not capable of that. I'm saying, you know, especially with where they are now. Well, the question is if they don't sell like, again, if they do sell, if they tear this thing right. down, then, yeah, I mean, I think 10 wins would be, you know, crazy. Um, but, yeah. Right. So so Orlando is, is 15 and 26 now. That That's the kind of record you would expect. And, you know, they're only they're third in uh, their third to last in the Eastern Conference and their fifth. Um, they have the fifth worst record overall in the NBA. The Spurs are 13 and 28. The Rockets are now 10 and 30. So, yeah, I mean, I would be that would be, you know, as crazy as it is to say that'd still be a little too much at the same time. You'd be able to still have a pretty high draft pick there. I agree with you, though. Like, I think that's absolutely attainable, especially if you're going to be even with all of the injuries and you would expect Gordon Hayward to miss more time because that's what he does. We know how much time Kelly Oubre is going to miss. I, it can't get worse health wise in the second half. Right. I, I don't think it can. I don't want to ask knock on wood, but I, I don't think it could. And so if that's the case, then 15 wins sounds about right. If they more, more, more home games in the back half too. You have to take that into consideration that the, the, the schedule is slightly more favorable in that respect uh, later on in the season. So you never know. All right. That'll do it for locked on Hornets, a stanging and clanging episode. We'll bring it back a little bit closer to the trade deadline. Just a little appetizer, just a little stinging for you. Uh, thank you again for joining us, making us your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, TurboTax tells you to not do your taxes, and I hope you have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Uh, That is not Doug Branson endorsed. 